morning, MCA. Today's scripture reading is Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 through 19. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns, by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of your enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord for us. Fathers truly are a blessing, and they are necessary. Uh, dads, please do not listen uh, to the messages about you being useless or unimportant or just the goofy one in the family. Uh, my dad is here with us this morning, and I am grateful for him. He has been through much in his life, but he continues to serve our family well. Many of you dads out there have been through much in your life, and you continue to serve your family well, as God is asking you to do. Uh, you are useful and needed, important and necessary. You are much more than the person who yells to turn off the lights in your home, much more than the one who has the cheesy jokes, but you are necessary, important, and needed for your family and your family's discipleship. So please hear me this morning that you are important and needed. So thank you, dads. Just thank you, dads. Uh, this morning there is something that I would like to start with um, it is a, an important aspect of our faith that I feel like has to be addressed in order for us to really take a look at the story of Abraham and understand what's happening. And it is, I'm going to call it the basics are, of our faith, but I'd rather use the term foundational to our faith, and that is the gospel. Many of you have heard the gospel, know the gospel, and have received the gift of salvation through Jesus who offers it to us freely. Dare to Share, I feel like, has always done a good job of summing up the gospel in a memorable way that is easy to articulate to people who don't know Christ. And I understand this morning that I'm sitting in front of the saints, and most of the time when I reference the gospel, I know that you know what I'm talking about. I mean, all of you know that 
that God has created us to be with him and that our sins have separated us and that those sins cannot be removed no matter how many good deeds, no matter, no matter how many righteous acts we have, those sins cannot be removed with those righteous acts. But Jesus paid the price for your sin on the cross and that everyone who puts their faith in him can have life and that starts now and lasts forever. I'm giving some youth group members flashbacks of, of uh, sharing this. I want to suggest this morning that the gospel is much more than just the basics of your faith. It's much more important. The gospel is threaded through everything that we do as Christians. Uh, I was reading a book by Tim Keller, and he made the comment in there that many of us see the gospel as the ABCs of our faith. That maybe once we understand the gospel, we can get on to more important matters um, of the sanctification process. For example, Jeremy, I know the gospel. I understand the gospel. But... But I need help navigating through my difficult family circumstance. I need help with my hopelessness. I need help with my marriage. Those are the things that I really need. Well, I want to suggest this morning that the gospel is relevant to us in all of those things. That the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, but the A to Z of Christianity. And we need to hear it on a consistent basis just as much as an unbeliever. In Galatians, we get an interesting picture of the gospel. Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he is actually pretty angry. Because there was a group of, um, uh, there was a group of Jews that were, that were attaching works to the gospel. That, that there were these Gentiles that were being saved... But these Jews were teaching them that they still had to eat kosher. They, they still had to be circumcised. They still had to go through all of these things in order to truly be a part of the family of God. In fact, Peter, at one point, doesn't even eat with these Gentiles. And, and every now and then, the King James Version just comes through with the wording that just really gets you. And, uh, and Paul says, uh, to, in this book, to the Galatians... Um, as, Peter, as he sees Peter, he withstood him to his face. I just love that wording. Because Peter was doing the very same thing. Not eating with the Gentiles. Not accepting them as truly a part of the family of God. Because they weren't living according to the Mosaic law. And Paul suggests here. That when we do that. That when we attach works to the gospel. When we do this, we are actually embracing a different gospel, a false gospel. And the true gospel only points to the finished work of Christ on the cross, not our works. And, and this morning, I think we would all agree with that. But often as we age, we start to ask questions like, have I done enough? Am I enough? And I want you to know that no, you haven't, but Christ is enough. That his blood that was spilled and the death that he endured on the cross, that 
was enough. And he defeated death. And only by placing faith in him and not our works will save us. Amen? Remember that because we're going to come back to that. Um, As we look at today's story of the binding of Isaac, we will be reminded of the gospel. As we see that God did not even withhold his one and only son. And please this morning consider the amount of love that it takes to do that. Faithfulness fulfilled. And so God, today, as we open your word, would you reveal new things to us? Would you teach us? Would you mold us and shape us into the church that you are asking us to be, to be the members that you are asking us to be? Father, help us as we navigate life and constantly remind us of the gospel, of the freedom from sin that your son's life, death, and resurrection offer. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, there are three main uh, talking points that I would like to cover today. Number one is what God requires of you, he will provide for you. Number two is do you trust God when you don't have all the answers? And three, will you truly die to yourself? We are concluding our series um, on Abraham this week. So open your Bibles to Genesis 22, if you haven't already. The story of Abraham is about to reach its climax. uh, With a huge request from God that he would offer up his son as a sacrifice. I am sure you have heard of the story of the binding of Isaac before. And I want to call it the binding of Isaac, not the sacrifice of Isaac, because Abraham didn't get that far. And if someone were to condense the life of Abraham into one important story, one important moment, one uh, huge moment in his life, this would be that story. And because you've heard uh, this story before, we may need a little bit of a reminder as to how big of an ask this actually was. Let's consider the life of this patriarch to this point. Abraham was a pagan, idol-worshipping man named Abram from the land of Ur. He moved to Haran and was called by God. He was called by God. This divine speech, by the way, uh, was given to Abram in a way that is so significant because it marks a new section of blessing through this man's life, through this man's family. Now, can anyone remember the promise that God made to Abram? That God would bless him and make him into a great nation and that he would get descendants, which is weird. That's a strange thing to say to Abram. Why is that strange? Because of one problem. Abram's wife was what? Barren. Abram has faith and he leaves with his nephew Lot, whose father had died. And sometime later, Lot is separated from Abram and Lot took for himself the best of the land. And God takes Abram on a high place and has him do a 360 view of where he was. And he promises that Abram's descendants 
will have this land and his descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Which is strange. Why is that strange? Because there is one problem. Abram's wife is barren. And one night, Abram is stuck on that one problem. What was that? Genesis 15, 2. Abram says, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? God asks Abram to count the stars if he can. And God tells him what? Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. But there is still one problem. His wife can't have kids. But the next day, uh, God makes a covenant with Abram. Animals are split and parted. And God walks through making a covenant with Abram. And saying that he will make Abram the father of a great nation. And his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. But again, the very next chapter states one problem. His wife bore him no children. Years later... God repairs Abram for the covenant of circumcision, and he renames Abram Abraham, which means father of many. But there is still one problem. What is it, church? He still doesn't have any kids. His wife still can't have any kids. Sarah, who is also renamed Abraham, laughs as God uh, tells Abraham that uh, she will have a child. But that laughter will soon be replaced with child's laughter. Because Sarah finally has a son and they name him Isaac. That one problem that has come up over and over has finally been solved. You see, in this time period... Descendants were so important. It was everything to you. And for a hundred years, Abraham wanted a child. Because that was everything to him. His wife was barren, which in that culture meant his future was as well. No future, no hope without descendants. And what joy it was for Abraham to finally have the descendant that was promised to him. How amazing this was. The years and years of following the Lord's leadership and trusting him to provide must have been difficult at times. And he must have grown so much. Oh, how sometimes we are on the verge of blessing, but we are not patient enough for the Lord's timing. But Abraham has made many mistakes, but at this time he is rejoicing because God has provided him a son, which brings us to our passage today in Genesis chapter 22. So let's, we're just going to work our way through this chapter. Um, That's what we're going to do with the remainder of our time. Sometime later, other versions say after these things, after the years of waiting for a child, after all the waiting and hoping for that one problem, that one thing to go away, hoping and believing that God would provide. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, which is interesting that 
Abraham replies with, here I am. Remember our first father, Adam, when God calls out for Adam, what does Adam do? He hides. But here Abraham is saying, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. And the air is just sucked out of the room. That one thing that Abraham has been waiting for. The one thing that he's been wanting. That one problem that has been going on since God called him. That one thing that Abraham needed to ensure his future. To ensure his hope. Remember the culture. What will you give me, O God? Abraham had cried. You've not given me any children. And so God was faithful and provided that one thing that Abraham was looking for. The thing he needed to ensure his future. And God says to Abraham, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. For so many of us this morning, we have that one thing that we have been wanting. Or that one thing that we do already have, that we hold on to, that we need. The thing that makes us feel stable. The thing that we couldn't live without. For Abraham, this was his son. And notice that God says, your son whom you love. Picture, more, picture this morning that one thing that you would struggle to live without. And picture God asking you to take that and place it on an altar and sacrifice it. I do want to mention this morning... Uh, that this is not a story of child sacrifice. But rather a parable, a prophetic picture of how God is faithful to us and did not spare even his only son and gave him up freely. But you may be thinking, how is this not a story of child sacrifice? How could God ask this of someone? Would God ever ask this of someone? And this morning, if you came up to me and said, I feel like God is asking me to sacrifice my child, I would call the police. And I think I'd have good reason to do that. God doesn't want you to sacrifice your child. He wants you in therapy. That's what he wants for you. And I feel like I have a biblical reason for saying that. This is not a passage about child sacrifice. You see, many religions throughout history have required child sacrifice. And this is a story of a God who stands over and against all of the other nations that do require that thing. In scripture, God says that he requires mercy. He asks for mercy over sacrifice. The gods of the Canaanites like Melech require child sacrifice. And in Genesis twenty-two seventeen, it says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. This account of Abraham was written in the time of Moses, after years of slavery. And as they come out of slavery and they're seeing the Canaanites who are doing that thing, who are sacrificing children, and they look back to this story of Isaac and they see God sparing him and providing a ram, they know that their God does not require child sacrifice. Also, I do want to say the stakes were much higher for Abraham in this time. 
He was a patriarch through which a promised child would come who would bring freedom and redemption to the whole world. That, that child has come. His name is Jesus, and he died on a cross for us. You are not that person. And, and that's why I can confident, confidently say this morning that God is not asking you to sacrifice your child. <clears throat> this is a story of God providing. And I don't want to turn this message into an ideological, what is your Isaac and sacrifice it on an altar, because you are not Abraham and he is not asking you to sacrifice Isaac. However, that does not mean that your priorities don't need to be right. You see, God should still be taking the highest, most place in your life. The Bible says that if you don't hate your mother, if you don't hate your father, if you don't hate um, your very own life, you cannot be dis- my disciple. And that's not saying you actually hate them. It means that, that you love God so much, so much, that the difference between the two is so great that it looks like that. God should be taking the uppermost place in your life and everything else should be falling into place. And if you misalign those things, they are idols in your life and they will hurt your relationships. And they will hurt your relationship with God. It is hard to come to God when you think that your security is more important to Him. No one will know Jesus better or worship Him more if you are misaligning your priorities. And this is a story of God providing. And he wants Abraham to have God first in his mind. And we will see in this passage what the heart of our faith is. That whatever God asks from you, he will provide for you. God asks for Abraham's son, but he provides a ram. He provides what he requires. God requires perfection, but he provides perfection through Jesus. God does require righteousness, but he provides righteousness through Jesus. He provides payment, and that payment is death for your sins, but he provides that payment through his son Jesus, what God requires of you, he will provide for you. That is the good news of the gospel, and that is the good news of chapter 22. Notice also that we as the readers are softened to the request of God that this is a test. We see the testing of our faith often in the Bible. In James, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. It is not strange that Abraham is being tested. It is not strange for any of us to be tested. Job was tested. Jesus himself, after he was baptized, went to the desert and was tempted. Know, if anything, when you are tested, you are in good company with Job and Abraham and Jesus himself. God is a gracious father who brings trials not to crush us, but to strengthen us. Not to show you his displeasure, but to complete you. Abraham doesn't know he is being tested, but this is the test. 
And what God is asking of Abraham is that he would be the top priority in Abraham's life. And look how Abraham responds. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. And he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. Abraham responds how? With obedience. No pushback. But swift and decisive obedience. And remember the ask here. This is Abraham's legacy on the line. His future. Everything to him. In a way, this is his very own life being put on this altar. God promised that he would make a nation through him. And and for some reason in this way, God has seemingly become Abraham's greatest enemy against his good. Do you ever feel like that? Don't minimize what's happening here. Imagine God asking for your wife, your career, or even your children. Whatever you treasure most is what is asked. And this is the test for Abraham. This is obedience that he displays. And the faith of Abraham, um, and the amount of faith that Abraham had in God was amazing. The testing of his faith in the past has produced some steadfastness. Abraham understands his role well. Because here's the thing. Who, who called God? Or who called Abraham? God did. Who gave Abraham a future? God did. Who gave Abraham a son? God did. Who deserves the praise? God does. Abraham understands this and he responds. He also understands that God still can make a way even if he doesn't understand it. Check out the next verse on verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey. While I and the boy go over there, we will worship and then we will come back. Don't miss this verse. Don't miss verse five when it says we will worship and then we will come back. Did you catch that? You see, somehow, somehow Abraham believed that God could still do something miraculous here. In Hebrews, it actually says that uh, Abraham believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead, even though to this point, nothing like that has ever happened. But he had faith that God could do that because he knew that God promised blessing and offering uh, offspring through him. And Abraham believed when his intellect ran out, he trusted God. Do you trust God when you don't have all the answers? When your knowledge runs out, do you trust God? When you don't know how God could possibly make a way, do you stop trusting him? Abraham knew God could make a way. He knew that he could make a nation through his son. But he also knew that God asked him to sacrifice his son. These two things, they can't exist together. What is filling in the gaps? It was trust in God. 
When you are dealing with chronic pain and you look at Romans 8 trying to figure out how, how is this for my good? Dealing with pain every single day. How is this for my good? What is filling in the gaps there? Is it trust in God when you don't have the answers? When you face hopeless and dark nights of your soul and you know that God started a good work in you. And the Bible says that he will carry that on to completion. Do you trust him to fill in that gap of understanding? Trust is not knowing how God will fulfill his promises, but certain that he will. God has proven himself trustworthy. Will you trust him? Will you trust God without answers? Are you holding out, waiting for your suffering to be explained? Or will you trust him even when you don't know how he's going to fulfill this promise? Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The, fi- the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Remember what he requires of you. He will provide for you. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place, God had told him, had told him about. Abraham built an altar. And there, and he arranged wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac, and he laid him on an altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand, and he took his knife to slay his son. Abraham's future on the altar for destruction. Abraham's obedience here, looking At his son, knowing that he's about to sacrifice him. And what does Abraham's obedience look like? It looks like death. Abraham, although flawed, displays to us what it looks like to put away our desires, our hope, our future, and focus on him. To put to death ourselves. He doesn't know how God will provide For what he requires, but he knows that God will. And he puts his knowledge to to death and says, you know what, God, you can. And as he stands there with the knife in his hands, he puts away his understanding. Dies to his knowledge, and even his future. And Abraham goes to slay his son. In verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looks up and there in the thicket he sees a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead in the place of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, church, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Church, this morning, we serve a God that will provide. 
A God that provided for Abraham a way in which he can save his son. His son who was doomed to death. And what did Abraham do? He, he came to the end of his understanding and he put himself to death and he, he trusted God. He was willing to die to himself in faith that God would provide. Church, I want to tell you this morning that this story represents a much bigger one of the gospel. God displays through this man that he will provide the ram, the scapegoat. And we often focus on how could this be asked of his follower Abraham? How could ask how could God ask Abraham to sacrifice his only son? Forgetting the fact that God did not even withhold his only son to die in our place. And did Jesus die for righteous? No, he died so that we can be righteous. Because what he required of us, he provided for us. You know yourself and your tendency to be ensnared with sin. And God himself provides. And it is not your works. For if you look to your works to be saved, that is a false gospel. As Paul tells the Galatians, if you base it around your attendance at church, how much you serve, those things are like filthy rags before the Lord. God requires us to be perfect. But he has provided perfection through his son, Jesus. And that is what this story represents for us this morning. The good news of the gospel, that what God requires, he will provide. When life doesn't make sense and you have trouble figuring out how God will make things happen, trust him to fill in the gaps, even if you don't have answers. And will you die to yourself, church, and pick up your cross and carry it? Because that is truly what he is asking of you. Would you stand with me, please? Father, this morning, we admit that we don't know your plans. And Father, I ask the question, if in my own life constantly, if everything was stripped away, if I had nothing left, would you still be enough for me? Father, I believe that you are. Thank you. For your son Jesus the perfection that we needed the righteousness that we needed to even come close to you father who are we the clay to say to the potter what is right father we know that you have displayed your true faith in the sacrifice of your son. So Father, we place our hope in you and we worship you this morning. In your son's name, amen.